Welcome to On Mic with Jordan Rich. First and foremost, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. And we certainly hope and pray for all of those who are battling COVID-19 and for all of the frontline healthcare workers doing an amazing job. We all owe them a huge debt of gratitude. I want to focus on this podcast and with several more in a series, not just on how we're coping with the current pandemic, but thoughts and ideas and creative directions we might need to take when we come back. And we will come back. Today, we're going to be talking about branding. Why is that important? Well, businesses everywhere are shut down, and branding and rebranding will be critical to the recovery. Joining me is the CEO and founder of Samets Blackstone Associates, a Boston-based brand-focused strategy, content, design, and web consultancy. Roger Samets is respected nationwide, working with cultural organizations, research, corporate, and professional and financial services clients. Clients that include the Boston Symphony Orchestra, the Lyric Opera of Chicago, the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, Harvard Medical School, MIT, Sarah Lawrence College, Brigham and Women's Hospital, and so many more. He also writes and speaks widely on brand building, messaging, and design. So I invite you to soak up some creative wisdom, energy, and ideas from our guest today. Let's go on mic. With Roger Samets. Roger, welcome. I trust you're well and uh, safe and doing as best as you can in these circumstances. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing fine. I'm actually currently out in the Hudson Valley watching the turkey chase deer around the field. There are worse things to do and worse places to be uh, at any point in time. Well, thanks for joining us. You know, we're going to come out of this in some shape or form still to be determined as we record this podcast. But we're going to focus on the importance of branding, on developing the brand, and more than ever on, on sharpening and, and really refining the brand and being consistent and being honest. So you've been in this business a long time. How has branding changed in the last couple of years, and how is it changing right now because of what's going on? Well, I, I think there's probably been a little more consistency in the last couple of years. But if you go back a little bit further... Um, because we deal with a lot of arts and cultural organizations and a lot of educational organizations, you know, brand was kind of a nasty word that was, you know, way too retail and associated with little starbursts on, starbursts on toothpaste tubes or something, or, you know, the thing on the back of your jeans or a badge right. on a car, right. you know, it was thought to be just retail. And then everyone decided they needed to have one. So schools decided they need to have one. Certainly every politician needs to have one. But I think, so that, that's certainly changed. But I think the mistake in all that is that you can just go get one. Um, and our approach, certainly over the four decades I've been doing this, is that you need to evolve your brand. It needs to be authentic. It needs to come out of you know, who you are, what you mean, what you promise, what people can expect of you, what you can expect of them, your value and values. And while you can actually to find some of that in a conference room, it doesn't exist until it gets into the heads of your constituents. Mm. The deeds are important, the actions that people take. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, how that then gets expressed um, is through, like if you're, say you're a nonprofit organization or an arts organization, you know, your content and offerings, you know, what, what are your programs? What are your products? What are your services? Your behavior, you know, What's your customer service like? How do you treat donors and prospects? Mm -hmm. And then importantly, um, you know, the communications that you make. So those can be print, that can be digital, um, they can be social, they can be environmental. So those are the, those are the communications you can control 
that then influence the ones you can't control, like social media from you know some other channel that you hadn't been expecting. So how people sort of think about content behavior, the communications they can control and influencing the other ones based on the sort of attributes that they want to have associated with their organization. In other words, you know, if you're an opera company and people think you're stuffy, you would like to probably not be associated with stuffy. Um, so how can your communication sort of manage that or, or any orchestra in the country that, you know, people think everybody there is, you know, old, or maybe you have to dress up. So if you want to be thought of as, you know, innovative and, um, you know, a cool place for date night, you know, those are attributes that your communications would have to work hard to associate with you. We're talking with Roger Samets. He is an expert in this area, has been working with organizations, and we'll talk about some specifically for, for decades now and helping them develop their brand and their success. I mentioned the word consistency, and I want to get into more detail in a second, but consistency sure. is so important in radio where I'm uh, born. Frequency, frequency over and over again, reminding people who you are and what your message is. That holds true, I would imagine, for any organization looking to expand and strengthen their brand. Well, sure. Insofar as, you know, if you're making, you know, an, an email, you're making a brochure, you're making a website, you have social media, to the extent that these uh, different vehicles reinforce each other, which goes back to your word consistency, then every dollar you spend on communications is really buying you a buck 30 in, um, you know, recognition and awareness and comprehension. If the stuff doesn't go together, um, every buck you're spending is, you know, giving you 80 cents worth of uh, communication. And then you have to work harder to have people understand who you are and why they should give a damn. So consistency isn't just a, you know, a concept for the, for the, you know, for the hell of it. It's a, it's a way to accomplish your goals. It is April, 2020, as we sit down together with a lot of separation, you're in New York, I'm in Boston. Uh, none of us have ever lived through anything like this. The economic impact is just unwieldy. Let's put it that way at this point. We don't know how it's going to unfold. But why are you focusing on brand now more than ever in COVID-19 language? It's, it's so critical. Why? Well, I think, you know, lacking some of the ways that people could make content and contact people, brand becomes more important. So, you know, a couple of examples. I mean, students you know, rising seniors couldn't take the usual spring trip to go look at schools. Um, people can't sit in a concert hall and be sort of overwhelmed and feel connected. Um, you know, you can't have the in-person events that you, that you had. So brand then becomes very important in decision-making. You know, whether the tickets that you bought for a concert will be donated or whether you know, you think you're going to ask for your money back has a lot to do with how you mm. think about an organization. You know, will the donors come fill the inevitable financial hole because they feel connected to what your brand is and, and what it means, you know, or not? Um, you know, will people stay or become advocates for your organization? Um, you know, even if you're to take it into more corporate sphere, you know, if you're an online shopper and you're looking for something quickly, I was looking for a crescent wrench yesterday. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time, but, you know, given the choices on the Lowe's website, Craftsman still meant something to me, mm. whether or not it should is something else, but it's been bought and sold a few times. But, you know, so click Craftsman, you know, Crescent Wrench. Mm. If I was in the store, I might have been able to, you know, pick up the thing and really, you know, make a different kind of decision. 
but brand was really dictating my decision. Let's talk about some of the folks you work with and who's getting it right in your estimation, particularly in the arts area. I also work with folks like the Boston Symphony, and that's one of your clients. How, how are they doing things to keep the fans, if you will, and the clientele involved and connected? It's really a challenge, but what are they doing right? Well, obviously they have, you know, in-person has now become trans-screen or something like that, yeah. on-screen. Um, you know, I think all of the, you know, all of the orchestras are certainly finding ways to stream content that they have, but they're also going beyond that. I mean, the BSO has a series where they're showing, you know, what do, um, you know, the members of the orchestra do at home? And some of them are not playing their violin, they're doing like, dance things with their kids. Um, so they're building connection that mm. is in, you know, with, consistent with music, but not necessarily the same thing. You know, a thousand museums around the world are doing virtual tours. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the more creative ones are doing things like, let's do a tour with the security guard who's been standing next to the sculpture for like 30 years. <laughs> you know, what, is, what does he get out of it? So you, you, know, you, can, you can develop a sense of intimacy and connection um, if you try some different things that otherwise wouldn't happen as you just, you know, walk through some cavernous museum. Um, people are certainly um, uh, pumping up their educational offerings. So, you know, WGBH, also a client, you know, who led in children's programming, has set up a distance learning resource center because, you know, there's certainly not every parent out there who knows how to, like, do homeschooling. So they're giving them and teachers uh, resources. Um, some arts organizations are setting up more interactive opportunities. You may have read about, uh, you know, the Getty on the West Coast that's asking people to use household things like, you know, peas and carrots and whatever, can openers, to, to recreate works of art and then send that in. So there is an opportunity, even though you're not in person, to do some things that are actually pretty personal and to remind people why they were connected to you in the first place. And people do reflect and remember very strongly when, when things happen that are crises or unexpected and organizations step up and do, I'm going to put quotation fingers around this, the right thing. And then there are examples in the news where organizations like the Kennedy Center, and you can maybe cite that example, yeah. get bad press and a bad feeling arises after what happened with the, the federal grant money. Again, I, I think examples lead this, this discussion in branding. Want to talk about the Kennedy thing and why well, that was sure. I mean, it's troublesome? A, you know, it can be summed up in a headline. The Kennedy Center got $25 million um, earmarked partly because Melania Trump is board chair on the board or something. And then, you know, while that money elsewhere in other organizations is helping those organizations to keep people on the payroll, they immediately furloughed 700 people. So putting, bringing this back to brand, you know, how is that going to make other donors feel? How is that going to make people who might, you know, have donated their tickets, you know, feel? It, it, they're just being terrible stewards of this, you know, beneficence that they got. Or, you know, to get, stay cultural, but get into sort of the profit side of things, uh, Ticketmaster basically said, if you had tickets for shows that are being canceled, tough luck. You know, lots of other organizations have said, well, you know, you can either move it out to when we have performances, you can donate it. You know, if you want your money back, okay, you know, they gave, they gave choices. Or something I read just this morning in the Times, um, you know, Reese Witherspoon had this idea with her clothing line 
Um, she said, we're going to, you know, teachers are working really hard. We're going to donate dresses to teachers and you have to sign up and there's going to be some sort of raffle or whatever. She didn't give the number. So I got a million people who signed up. They had 250 dresses. Um, so it was perceived as, you know, as a cynical marketing ploy, which conceivably it was. And, you know, probably long-term brand damage. But at the same time, there are so many organizations doing it right. And one of the things you talk yeah. about in the notes I'm reviewing is uh, the staff that you employ for whatever organization. They're working, as you and I are, from home. Yep. And, and why it's so critical now more than ever, right now, to, uh, to make sure that you're, you're treating your staff well and you're communicating with them so they can communicate with the public. Expound on that, if you will. Well, there's certainly either the possibility or the inevitability that communications will get a bit more disparate as people get dispersed. You know, they're, they're not in the office. They may not have their, you know, templates. They, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a little more on their own. So to the extent that an organization with its brand does a good job of providing people who are working remotely as we are, you know, with, you know, what are the attributes we want to reinforce so that if you're writing a letter, even they're sort of tacked up on your bulletin board and you keep them in front of you. What are the storylines and concepts that we want to get across? If you're, you know, you know, talking to a donor or doing an interview or something, um, you know, what, what are our, even if you're making an email or something, you know, what are our colors? What are our fonts? Of course you have, the organization has to probably provide those, but you can keep, going back to your word consistency, you can keep a sort of unified brand presence if you've done some training and you've provided some tools. Otherwise, you're kind of asking for brand entropy. And brand entropy means, as you said at the top of this, you know, at some point there's going to be another side of all this. You know, brand entropy means that you're going to have to start back several squares at, at some point, even if you haven't done any actual damage, like the examples we talked about, but just sort of, you know, pulling it all together. Whereas, you know, an organization that provides guidance and tools and training can, can, you know, keep on going. There's a very important aspect to all this that I'm so glad you raise. And I'm a big believer in being judged by action and behavior in regular times and normal times. Oftentimes, it goes by the wayside, but when people are under pressure, as we are now, behavior becomes magnified. Let's talk about the positives when you, when a company or an organization, an arts group, whatever, employs the kind of code of behavior that the public is really going to latch onto. Such a big difference can be made. We've already pointed out, you know, you mentioned the Kennedy Library. I'll mention the Jacobs Brothers at uh, the Boston TD Garden, not paying the folks who run the TD Garden, you know, the, the food purveyors and the right. ushers uh, right away. It took them a while, two or three weeks. And that just sits with people. Talk about behavior and why it's critical in branding. Right. So it, it, it sort of extends what we're talking about with the Kennedy Center and Ticketmaster. I mean, behavior is both internal and external. So how you treat, you know, the people who are part of your staff, as opposed to laying off 700 at the Kennedy Center, um, but how you sort of treat the wider uh, community Again, brand is made up of people's understanding of how you behave in the world. So whether it's close as in, you know, how you talk to a donor or a prospect and, and all arts organizations are putting much more, you know, emphasis on that. And in fact, like in the Lyric Opera of Chicago, which is also a client of ours, marketing people are being deployed to talk to 
um, people who have tickets to get them to you know donate them back. So they're essentially fulfilling a fundraising function because they're they're not you know going out and hawking shows because there aren't any shows, but people are being put to new you know uses and they're all of course willing to sort of you know dig in. Um, so there's you know this internal and there's you know external. Um, certainly you want to you know behave in ways that maintains contact. Um, so whether that means keeping people informed, you know, beyond the COVID-19 information, um, you want to, you know, come up with ways that they feel like, you know, there's, they're still part of the family. So whether that means, you know, video chats or webinars or at a higher level, you know, the CEO is doing something, you know, special, even, you know, what I think is probably most effective at this point is a handwritten note because everybody's looking the at old, screens. The old school way. Well, yeah, it's old school, but if you think about all of this and yeah. you think about the brand more holistically, yes, there are new shiny balls in terms of communication vehicles that are out there all the time. But if you bring it back to what it's really all about, which is creating connections and nurturing relationships, there are lots of ways to do that that are not necessarily technologically based. I think we're seeing it with hundreds and thousands of healthcare workers who are going above and beyond in the line of duty, but also are connecting with patients and their families by using uh, how many nurses and doctors have used their own cell phones for FaceTiming right. with the patients. And those kinds of stories resonate with people. There's another aspect of this whole Zoom revolution and all that's going on out of necessity. And that is, as you call them, the digital natives, the generation Z and younger millennials. This is an audience that's already hip to this kind of technology. In a sense, it's, it's incumbent upon all of us in branding to recognize this group and realize we have an opportunity here to really fine tune this kind of approach in a crisis and take it on afterwards and maybe develop a bigger audience. Right. Well, I mean, this is a group that, you know, all arts organizations are trying to get more of. Um, you know, everybody bemoans you look from the stage of, of whatever and you see a sea of gray hair. Um, so if you're dealing with a group that's digitally native anyway, and your tools are all digital, and you can come up with content that's um, often two-way as opposed to just broadcasting at them, um, you know, you may get them you know, engage so that they're actually going to try and go to a concert or go to an opera because, hey, this was cool. Or I didn't know, you know, behind the scenes that, you know, it takes wig makers and shoemakers and, you know, painters and whatever to put on an yeah. opera or that, you know, it's the combo of you know, music and dance and theater and magical stagecraft. Um, I didn't know any of that because I was put off because I thought opera was, you know, old and expensive and I had to wear a tuxedo. So there is an opportunity to use the you know, media that we kind of have to use to engage people who are already engaged with the media with new content. And for everyone out there, asking them, us, the public, the consumers, kind of what we're looking for via social media is a great vehicle, isn't it? I mean, you can gauge the sense of the public a lot easier now than ever before without having to hire a polling group just by sending out uh, the kind of social media requests to get information. I would imagine that's a big component. Yes. You, I mean, you can do that. I mean, you know, beyond the, the likes and that kind of thing, right. you can actually ask people what they're interested in and then, and then do it. <laughs> I mean, if it's not inconsistent with your mission. Um, so there's a, there's a two-wayness, there's an interactiveness. And, and um, 
you know, some are getting more interactive than others. I mentioned the, that Getty example of mm -hmm. you know, asking people to make artwork with, you know, cans of beans and stuff. Um, but there's, there's a way to break down that audience stage uh, wall that we, as you said, we could then learn from going forward. Your work in this area is going to be vital. People in your field trying to help rebuild not only arts organizations, but nonprofit and profit businesses. Where do you see yourself a few months from now when God willing things get better outside and we can actually visit with each other, albeit a few feet apart? Well, again, I guess I sort of go back to the basics, which is that some organizations have them figured out and they then inform you know, their communications, their behavior, their content. And then other organizations who certainly come to us know they don't have it figured out. Um, so there, you know, then there's a project that starts more at, at, at square one. Um, but, you know, if organizations are in crisis communications now, they, they can't stay in crisis communications. Right. They have to, you know, be delivering um, content that's, you know, valuable and that, connects to why people were interested in them in the first place or why people might be interested in them in the first place. So, you know, helping them to come up with their attributes and their storylines and, um, you know, how they present themselves verbally and visually um, is, you know, was important and it's going to be important. I mean, there are plenty of organizations who way before this, you know, underrepresented and underpresented who they were. I mean, it could be a great organization, but if you get something on your kitchen table that looks like, you know, schlock direct mail, it kind of almost doesn't matter what they're doing because, you know, 1960s direct mail is, you know, it's not a Chevy Bel Air, you know, it's not cool. Um, and you're probably not even going to look at it. Right. So, and especially with websites, how, and especially for your younger, you know, prospective audiences, how a website behaves is as important as what it's saying. Because, you know, if you're trying to be innovative and showing that you're doing new work and you're trying to get in younger people and it's clunky and it has dead ends and you can't get back to where you want to get back to, uh, you know, and it doesn't move or whatever, um, that's a message that, that they'll never get to the words or, you know, the sound or whatever that's on the site. It right. behaves in a, you know, clunky backward way. So all of that, you know, both coming, collaboratively coming up with, you know, what those components of a brand are and then coaching people on how to use it, um, you know, hopefully stays important or gets more important mm -hmm. as we get over this because it can't all be about crisis. Well, in summation, we're all subject to, uh, as consumers, we're all subject to the marketing of organizations and individuals, but we as individuals can carry our own brand as well. You mentioned political yes. figures, but I'm thinking about entrepreneurs, single entrepreneurs, authors. I mean, everyone has the ability now to step out there and present a brand. And these same concepts we've talked about would apply to the individual, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it still comes back to content and, and you know, behavior. I mean, there were examples um, this week, and I don't think it's probably appropriate to name names, of, you know, celebrities who have brands who were putting out the notion that, you know, 5G cell towers were responsible for the virus. Um, it's hard to see how that's going to help their personal brand. <laughs> um, yeah. But... But take, even going away from your comment around celebrities and stuff, there is a sense, and it's probably people who are not as old as you and I are, 
who think of themselves as having personal brands. I mean, and they express themselves, how they dress, how they talk, who they hang out with, what you know, channels of communications they use. So the, the goal of organizations is to have a brand that resonates with those mm. personal brands so that you know, people can see myself as part of that family. So it's the same thing that schools have always been doing, which is you know, the goal of when you, you know, visit a school in the spring um, and talk to students and take a tour, you know, what the goal of that school is, is for the student to say, I can see myself here. Well, the I can see myself here goal you know, equally applies to any arts organization, especially if that particular person hasn't been able to see myself here. And when you look at arts organizations writ large, nobody has to go to a museum. Nobody has to go to a ballet. No one has to go to an orchestra. So the, the job that brand, that a strong resident brand can help do is move people from, well, you know, maybe that's an okay idea to I really want to do that. And if you can accomplish that, then you've really done something. Well, you've done a lot to uh, fill us in on your philosophy, which is borne out in practical success for many, many years. Roger, thank you so much. And I know when things settle down or gear up again, you're going to be right there in the hunt, helping people oh. and helping organizations who could certainly use it. Thank you so much for sharing with us on the podcast today. And needless to say, stay well, stay safe, and uh, keep up the great work. Well, thank you for your time and interest. To find out more about the work that Roger's doing, go to samets.com. That's S-A-M-E-T-Z, Samets. And to stay in touch with us, you can reach me via email, jordan at chartproductions.com. On Twitter, it's at jordanwbz. And on Facebook, it's The Jordan Rich Show. We will continue to podcast on a regular basis. Keep in touch, keep content flowing, and remind each other that we're all in this together. Thanks for subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing the podcast. And to all of you out there, as always, be well so you can continue to do good. We'll see you next time.